0: Um, By the way, my name is Matt Lee, for those of you who might not know me. I'm on the teaching team here at New City, and during the week, I work at Kansas Christian College, and there are two of our students over there, and I I failed to do this in the first uh, service. But by the way, your generosity as a church, uh, you guys blessed a bunch of students last week uh, with just some cool stuff. So from the college, can I just say thank you for blessing our students, and you can give yourself a hand if you want to. Thank you for being so generous. Um, yeah, Linden and Julissa, uh, they're, they're actually, they're actually a, a couple that's dating, okay? So uh, L- that's the real Linden that you saw up here. <laughs> so please pray for Julissa, right? <clears throat> um, no, they, we, we love them. They're, they're both preparing for ministry. Uh, they just have a gift. By the way, Julissa writes those skits. Uh, she does a great job with it. And uh, they're preparing for ministry, I know, in the Caribbean. Can you believe that? Sounds good to me. Sign me up, all right? Um, but guys, thank you so much for sharing your, your gifts with us today. Um, we're still in this series called Put a Bow on It, right? Now, for those in my family that have ever seen a gift that I have wrapped, they're just going to laugh because I'm horrible at wrapping gifts. In fact, my two-year-old niece, Quincy, could probably wrap a gift better than I could, all right? But, but the idea of this series is that a gift isn't ready to be given until you put a bow on it, Right. And uh, this time of year, we remember some of the gifts that God has given us as his children. Uh, Hope. Pastor Matt talked about hope last week, and today we're talking about peace. And next week, we'll talk about joy and then love. These are all gifts that God has given us as children. And when we talk about putting a bow on it, we're just reminding ourselves that it is Jesus that completes all of these things. So spoiler alert, I'm going to talk to you about how Jesus will complete or is the peace uh, in your life. So talking about peace today, that's that's a pretty easy subject to be given, to, to cover from, from teaching because all of us um, want peace. Am I right? I mean, we all want peace in our life. Everybody's for it. Nobody's against it. And in fact, this time of year, Uh, One of my favorite things this time of year is to just sit by the fire, uh, drink some coffee, and listen to to Christmas carols, right? And those carols that talk about peace on earth. And maybe I'll throw in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3, one of my favorite uh, passages of Scripture. He will keep in perfect peace. Doesn't that sound nice, perfect peace? Whose mind is stayed on him because he trusts in him. And One of those favorite Christmas carols, uh, it, it's from a, a poem written by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, but, but it's, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, right? Just listen to the words of the first verse of this. Um, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and mild and sweet their song repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Now, does that give you the warm fuzzies like it does to me? Man, you can almost hear those bells ringing kind of gives me the warm fuzzies, it really does. But you know, if, if I were to, to sit down over a cup of coffee with each one of you this week, my guess is that 99.9% of us in this room, if I were to say, hey, could you use some more peace in your life? Probably most of us would say, yeah, sign me up. I need more peace in my life. To give you an example, can I give an example of this morning? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> putting it on the spot. I get a text after second service uh, or, yeah, first service, I'm confused already, <laughs> she's like, my wife is like, I'm late, I locked my keys in the house, I had to break a window to get in the house, and I cut my hand, so I have these visions of her bleeding to death or something, anyway, she's fine, she's here, so everything's good, we're at peace, right, <laughs> but yeah, we all could use a little more peace in our life, and the answer to that question is, is different, uh, for, for different people, right, in fact, if you look at history, some of the most notorious people in history, take Adolf Hitler, for example. Uh, he wrote about his struggle, Mein Kampf, right? He believed that his struggle would be solved if he, this is twisted, but if he exterminated, if he got rid of the Jewish people, right? So here was a guy that thought if he could just kill a whole group of people, then it would bring peace on earth, right? Now, he might not have called it that, and we all know he wasn't really after peace. He was after Control and world domination. Now, none of us think of ourselves, hopefully, like a Hitler today, so let's kind of bring it closer to home, right? We have, Jill and I have a four legged son named Jesse the dog at home, right? And Jesse, this last week, uh, he decided he didn't want to sleep at night, and for those of you with newborns, you're like, you have a dog, sir. Come on. But uh, yeah, so like he starts barking. I have to get up with him and I have to take him out. And I'm really kind of mad at the dog. And I'm laying in bed and he whines again. And I'm like, ah, I just need some peace. But what I really wanted was for the dog to shut up so that I could sleep, right? I wanted quiet. quiet. Um, or maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's getting to the middle of the month. The bills are, are, are coming due. Uh, maybe you find yourself looking at those bills and thinking, you know, I, I want to pay the bills. I also want to buy my, my kids the Christmas presents they want. You know, if I could just have a little bit more money, uh, if I could just get a little bit more funds, it would, it would bring, me, bring me peace. But it's not really peace that we're after. I would argue it's, it's really more prosperity that we're after there, right? And then there are those, and these are real things. I'm not making lines because they're real, right? I mean, money problems are real. That's why Jesus talks so much about it. But then like this year through our church, you know, we've had people face battles with real sickness. And and there are those that I mean, you're hanging on the words of the doctor. And, and based upon whether he says test results are negative or positive, I mean, that's where our we think, wow, he just I need to hear him say they're negative so that I can have peace. But it's not really peace there that we're looking for, not completely, it's it's health, right? So we we all could use a little peace, but often we, we look for, for, for peace in different ways, and it's defined differently depending on, on who you are. The reason that peace is so easy to talk about, that everybody's for it and nobody's against it, and I think we could all agree, I don't have to convince you, we live in a broken world, right? We live in a world of brokenness. And I, I've illustrated, or I've tried to illustrate just our brokenness with a, with a circle on the screen, and, and we, we're aware that we live in brokenness. And in order to, to get out of that brokenness, we begin to, to pursue things like, uh, like control, right? Maybe we don't want to exterminate an entire group of people, but we begin to pursue, if I can just control the situation, or we begin to pursue that serenity, if I could just have the serenity that I need, or we begin to pursue that prosperity, or we begin to pursue that health. And there are a hundred different things uh, for everybody in the room that we might pursue on our way to peace. But here's the thing, I want you to imagine it like this, as we're pursuing peace in our brokenness, like if we put arrows up there to all of these things, uh, imagine those arrows are our bungee cords, right? That, and, and you're tied to your brokenness with, with one end of the bungee cord, and, and as soon as you're about to grasp that thing, I gotta be careful here not to set the building on fire, as, so, as soon as you're about to grasp that thing, that, I mean, you're just whipped right back into your brokenness. And often, the harder you pursue after something, the, the harder you're whipped back into the, the, reality of, uh, the reality of brokenness. You see, the reality is we've come to define peace kind of by default as how things... Like, we'll have peace if things are just as they should be. But can I ask you, who gets to determine how things should be? After all, uh, we've just come through a crazy election season, Right? The Democrats think things should be one way. The Republicans think things should be another way. Who gets to determine how things should be? I read a quote, and I, I, really, love, I really love the quote. Somebody raised their hand like they were going to answer the question. I was really curious what the young man had to say, but I can't go there. But yeah, I read a quote that I really love, because <laughs> maybe he has the secret, right? When we do not have what we think we should have, let this sink in. When we do not have what we think we should have, we find ourselves asking for peace. You know, we, we read that first verse of, of I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, and it, it gave us the warm fuzzies. But let me just share to you the backstory of that song. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, he, uh, eight, he wrote the song in 1863, but less than two years before, in 1861, he awoke from a nap to find his, his wife was on fire, literally. Her dress had caught fire. And he woke up from this nap, and he tried to put out the fire, and he was burned so badly in the process of putting out the fire that that uh, he ended up um, in the hot. His wife died the next morning, and he ended up he was burned so badly that he couldn't even attend his wife's funeral. And late, this is a picture of him in 1868, and he grew that beard out because his face was so badly burned, and and he spent. You know, the next year and a half being afraid that he was going to be put in the asa- insane asylum because he was grieving for his wife so badly. He was a father of six people, or six people, of six children, right? A widower of six children. And, and uh, on December 1st, uh, 1863, this is during the Civil War, he, he got the, the message. I started to say he got a call, but I don't think that's actually what it was. But he got the message um, that his son had been wounded in battle. And was 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 probably going to be paralyzed the rest of his life. This was December first, eighteen sixty-three, and on Christmas morning in eighteen sixty-three, he he wrote this song that we now sing as a Christmas carol, uh, as he heard the bells ring out in, in his town there on Christmas morning. And and the first verse we we read it gives us the warm fuzzy. It hits of of the hope and the optimism and this peace on earth. But the second verse gets really real, right? It gets really real. It, it, it pulls us into this, this dissonance, this ambivalence that he was actually facing. And, and, it, and it just reminds us of the brokenness, the injustice, the violence that seems to mock us as we talk about peace even this morning. Here's what the second verse says. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth goodwill to men man takes us all the way from those warm fuzzies to man bitter reality that we live in a broken world and things just aren't right so why is there this disconnection why is it that that as so i mean we all want peace we pursue peace but why is it so elusive well i think this comes into focus when we begin to understand how two uh, how two cultures uh, very distinct cultures interpreted the word peace or this idea of peace at the time that Jesus was born. We get our English word peace from the Latin "pax," p a x, and for the Romans, uh, for the Romans, uh, peace meant or pax meant a cessation of hostilities between the conquerors and the conquered. Now, think about it. This peace is always temporary because it depends upon. Who has the biggest gun, right? So the Romans, they got to determine what should and shouldn't be because they had the biggest army, right? They were in control. You ever heard that saying, if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy? That's because mama has the biggest stick, right? That's Pax, that's peace. She gets to, con- to decide how things should be. And as long as you come in alignment with that, there's going to be peace in your household, right? Well, this was this idea of peace, and in fact, in history, uh, for you, I don't claim to be an historian, but for you historians out there, there's this uh, period in history known as the Pax Romana, or the Roman Peace, and it's kind of funny when you start uh, talking about it, because uh, actually, different historians will give you different years of when this peace took place, so they can't even get that straight, right? But if you read about it, the textbook definition is that it is a long period of relative peace in the Roman Empire, a long period of relative peace. Now, let me ask you this. When Jesus came to the world and you think about the Romans and you think about crucifixion and all that he went through, would you, would you think of that as a peaceful time in history? Probably not, right? But yet that was during the Roman peace. Most historians will say from B.C. 27 to about 180 A.D. But it was relative. It depended upon how Rome defined things, what, how they th- said things should be. In contrast, in the ancient Hebrew understanding uh, or concept of peace, it's rooted in the word shalom. And a lot of times we we hear that as a greeting. So everybody say shalom. Shalom. Thank you. Yeah, peace, shalom. And, And shalom is not merely the cessation of hostilities, but it means wholeness. It means completeness, soundness, health, safety, and prosperity. And it carries with us the idea not of being temporary, but of being permanent, See, Pax peace, Pax peace depends upon who is in the position of power, who has the biggest gun. But the criteria for shalom rests in alignment with God. And if I could have one definition of shalom that I wanted you to remember, it would be this alignment with God. You see, the reality is... uh, (laughs) There, you know, Jesus said some crazy things. In fact, he said at times, I haven't come to give you peace, but to bring a sword. And you got to look at context to say what he was talking about. But the reality is, I can have shalom and be in alignment with God, but we still live in a broken world where crazy things are happening, right? So two very distinct ideas of peace. And there's often a discrepancy between our, our, our searching after and seeking peace and our finding peace because we look for peace on Google Maps, right? We look for peace and in, in uh, like looking for love in all the wrong places. We look for peace in all the wrong places, and we think, you know, if I could just have uh, the right body, and if I could just have the right girl, and if I could just have that that house on the corner with a white picket fence, if I could just have these things, then everything would be okay. But the problem is, we're trying to define peace within ourselves and by our own culture rather than peace as alignment with God or true shalom. You see, shalom comes from God. It, it finds its definition in the person of God. Isaiah twenty six twelve. Remember that verse I quoted, keeping in perfect peace. You read on down, verse 12. Lord, you establish, you establish peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done for us. The reality is we do live in a broken world. We're all aware of that, but it wasn't always this way, right? In fact, God didn't create it to be this way. The first example of shalom or true alignment with God we find in Scripture comes right at the very beginning in Genesis, right? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And I want to illustrate it this way. I drew a circle with brokenness, but let's have a circle just representing God's peace, shalom, alignment with God. Think about what Adam and Eve enjoyed right? They had everything they needed. They had all the food that they needed. They, they had a, a job to do, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over it. They had an intimate relationship with their creator. They were in alignment with God. They had an intimate relationship with one another. They could be real and open with each other and yet not afraid. They experienced this, this peace, this alignment, this shalom. And as long as they were in obedience to God, they experienced this. But then we know what happened, right? They decided, you know what? I'm going to consult Google for my peace. You know, I'm going to decide for myself. Literally, I want to decide what is good and what is evil for myself. Literally, they decided this. And when they disobeyed God, what happened was, we'll illustrate it this way, sin led to this brokenness. And this is where we find ourselves, right? Out of alignment with God, born in sin, always trying to work out of that brokenness in our own power, in our own strength. See, when they disobeyed God, they were no longer in alignment with him and the world descended into brokenness. And this is why all of us can start on the same page. We can all start in that circle of brokenness and say, yeah, I get it. The world's broken. I want peace. I need Peace. So here's where we put a bow on it, okay? See, right now, we're, we're just leaving ourselves in brokenness, but here's the thing. God sent Jesus because he wants you and I to have shalom or peace. He talks about it in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Beautiful, beautiful prophecy here. For, the, for unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? Peace. Yeah. Into our brokenness, God sent his son, Jesus. And Isaiah is prophesying this in Isaiah chapter 9. But then we see that fulfillment in Luke chapter 2, right? The story of Christmas. Or the story of Jesus' birth, I should say. And we know the story Jesus was was born in a manger because there was no room in the inn and, and Luke two tells us along about verse eight that there were shepherds nearby, right shepherds and and I, when I think of shepherds, I just think of good blue collar common folk I mean they had some, they didn 't have everything going for them they weren 't the blue bloods of society right and, and they were they were the shepherds and and here the angel came to proclaim the coming of Messiah to these shepherds, and forgive me because i, I Because of the way I grew up in Sunday school, I go back to the King James when I think about this, uh, but it says there were, right, in the same country, shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. This was scary stuff. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. I wonder if those shepherds remembered Isaiah chapter 9. And this will be a sign unto you, the angel said. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, listen to what they were saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, what? Peace, goodwill toward men. You see, God sent Jesus the Prince of Peace into our world to bring us peace, and we think about our packs. We think about our definition of peace. Whoever has the biggest gun, who carries the biggest stick, but he sent Jesus as this innocent child into a crazy world. I mean, there is nothing threatening about a baby. I get to see my I saw my little uh, baby nephew this morning, and I saw uh, a little. Uh, baby Addie this morning and they're just so they're so non-threatening he came into this world like this as the prince of peace and we sang about man these little hands that they're the ones that created the world what is God doing he's turning things upside down he wants to bring us peace through Jesus But here's the thing, I want to remind you that Jesus came and he lived his life. Now remember, shalom, alignment with God. He lived his life in alignment with God. He showed us how to make Jesus Lord in our life, right? But he didn't stop there, he came. If we can put this up on the screen, I've illustrated it this way. Jesus came into our brokenness, he came down into our brokenness, and then there's that cross, he died and he rose again. But I want to point this out about his death see, because if you're not careful, if you're just listening to me now, like I'm talking about how we're, we live in this world of brokenness, and that's true. And all of us here have been a victim of brokenness. All of us here have been a victim of brokenness. But I can, can I tell you something? And I would ask you to search your heart and ask the Holy Spirit the same thing. I have also been a perpetrator of brokenness in my life. See, I've been guilty. I have done things and said things to people, even people in this room that, that have caused scars in their life or that have caused hurt in their life or has ca- caused pain or confusion in their life. See, I am guilty. I'm part of the problem of brokenness. And the Bible tells us that there is a penalty That comes with brokenness. There's consequences to actions. And and there's a price that needs to be paid. And and what I'm told is through Jesus' death, he came to take the penalty of my brokenness and my sin, my disobedience. He came to take the penalty and to pay the price. See, another great passage in Isaiah chapter 53. I want to read this to you. It says, surely he took up our pain. He bore our suffering and this is for the victim and for the perpetrator. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punish catch this, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds or his stripes, we are healed. Man, he, he came, he died, he rose again to give us peace, to bring us back into alignment with God. Just before Jesus left the earth, he said something interesting to his disciples in John chapter 16. He said in verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't think I ever stand on this platform at New City. I try to think, I think somehow always when I preach at New City, I come back around to Mark chapter 1 and verse 15. And we use it a lot in our discipleship language, right? The kairos, the learning circle. And in Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus, he, he's beginning his earthly ministry, and, and he says this, he says, The time has come. The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, let's pause there for just a second. The kingdom of heaven is near. What is this kingdom of heaven or this kingdom of God? What is this? The kingdom of God is where God is in charge, right? It's where what God wants to happen happens. It's where God gets to define what should and shouldn't be in our life, the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is saying, he's announcing as he goes, hey, the time has come. The time is now. God's rule, God's kingdom, God's shalom wants to break through into your life, and here's how He says to enter into it: repent and believe the good news. Repent and believe. This, this is, this is. Let's put the graphic up there. So, we, our brokenness, we we repentantly we begin to turn and to follow Jesus. You know, there's a great another Hebrew word uh, in, in scripture is is uh, we talked about shalom, alignment with God. But how many of you are familiar with Shema? Shema, right? The Shema. Found in Deuteronomy chapter six. I want to read this to you. Deuteronomy six, verse four. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That's the Shema. Love God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. Jesus came to show us how to do this. Catch this. The way to shalom is through shema. The way to shalom is through shema. Loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is letting the kingdom break through and and bringing yourself into alignment with the will of God. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. So I began with the first verse of one of my favorite Christmas songs and then we saw the second verse that kind of left us in this dissonance or this ambivalence. But you know, when I think about what Jesus did and here's the thing. When we begin to follow Jesus, what happens, there's a third leg of this. What happens is we begin to recover this peace and we begin to pursue this peace and this alignment with God. And when I think about that and the gift How Jesus just puts a bow on our peace and the gift that he brings. When I think about that, I really can't wait to sing the third verse. And we're going to get to sing this together here in a few minutes. But I can't wait. Let me just read it to you. You see, Henry Wadsworth, he didn't stop there. He said, then rang the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor does he sleep. The wrong shall fail. Amen. The right prevail with peace on earth. Goodwill to men. I want to ask Curtis and the band if they would come back up and they're going to sing this song or a version of this song and if you want to sing along and just worship, I, I invite you to do that. But if you want to just reflect and if you want to pray, I, I invite you to do that too. And I, If we could put that, that graphic back up on the screen one more time. One possible way of reflecting upon this message as they sing is Just to ask ask yourself, you know, which which circle am I living in of those top two circles? Like, am I I really living in my own brokenness? And, And the more I search and the more I try, I'm just pulled back into that brokenness. Like, where do you find yourself living? Is it in that brokenness? Or are you living the Shema? Are you living in Shalom, in alignment with God? And as, as they sing and as you reflect, like here's what I wanna invite you to do, okay? To just begin to turn, <laughs> to repent and believe, to turn and follow Jesus. And, and I wanna give you a couple options here if, if, as they sing that I wanna make it clear some ways you can respond. By the way, you can just call out to Jesus where you are sit. You don't have to do anything crazy or fancy. But if you want to, I'm going to ask a couple of people that are, you know, brown to green folks, release disciples. Maybe a, if I could get a, a lady and a, and a guy, if they could just stand up here and be willing to pray with people that are searching for peace. So I, I don't know exactly who you are. You know who you are. But if I could get, you know, a lady and a guy to just stand up here, you release disciples. That, so we can just pray with somebody if they want to. Another thing you can do, you can take out that card. You can write on there anonymously. You can just write, hey you know, put your contact information. But you can say, I'm searching for peace and somebody will contact you this week. But I don't want to leave here today without giving all of us the opportunity to just come into alignment with God. As we went through the first service and as they were singing, I was kind of searching my own heart. And you know, one of the things that us ministry people struggle with is a lot of times we think ministry You know, if we could just have the right church or the right d-group or the right whatever, you fill in the blank. A lot of times we think these good things are gonna bring us peace, but guess what? That's not peace either. What we need to be is in alignment with God. Alignment with God. Let's stand together. Let's worship. Let's reflect. Let's allow God to just do whatever he wants to do this morning. Father, we thank you for your peace. We thank you for this body of believers. We pray that you would help us, God, to pursue peace by loving you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, we want to get rid of the counterfeits, the sidetracks, the wrong paths. Lord, we just want to pursue you. Bring us into alignment with you through your son, Jesus, today. It's in your name.